You are listening to part one of a two-part review of Queen of Shadows. Please be advised that this episode contains spoilers for the Throne of Glass series up to and including Queen of Shadows. Additionally, this episode contains adult content that may be disturbing to some people. Listener discretion is advised, and please take care. Hi, thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Nicole. And I'm your host, Jacqueline. You're listening to the first season of Perfectionist. Selena Sardothian has embraced her identity as Aelin Galathinius, Queen of Terrasen. But before she can reclaim her throne, she must fight. She will fight for her cousin, a warrior prepared to die for her. She will fight for her friend, a young man trapped in an unspeakable prison. She will fight for her people, enslaved to a brutal king and awaiting their lost queen's triumphant return. Everyone Aelin loves has been taken from her. Everything she holds dear is in danger, but she has the heart of a queen and that heart beats for vengeance. In this episode, we're going to be switching things up slightly. Previously, we focused a lot on the plot of the story, but going forward, we'd like to center our conversation more on discussions and opinions, some intriguing details throughout the novels. Yes, we'll still highlight the most relevant plot points uh, for the whole story and what we're discussing. However, this is not a replacement for reading the book. There are many interesting aspects of the book that will, unfortunately and regrettably, be left out. We hope you enjoy hearing our thoughts on Queen of Shadows. So the format of this episode today is going to be kind of similar to Era of Fire, how, how we approached Era of Fire, where we will, instead of just going through the whole bo- uh, book rather in a linear fashion, we are going to go through each character's perspective or each location and kind of go through that whole plot line, and then we'll go back to a different character and then run through what they've gone through, just to keep things a little bit more organized so we can actually really examine what's going on in that moment for that particular character or location. So we're going to start with Dorian's perspective. And if you recall, at the end of Era of Fire, he was infested by a Valg prince. He has the word stone collar around his neck. And usually, at least what we've seen in the past, it seems that once you're infested by a Valg, that's kind of it for you. But we do see Dorian's perspective and he's still in there. Yeah, it's really cool because throughout the book, we get to see Dorian kind of battling with the Valg inside of him. So we not only see Dorian's perspective being infested, but we see the perspective of a Valg, which is Mm -hmm. really unique and cool. It doesn't happen a lot. It's just tiny little snippets throughout. Mm -hmm. And you don't really get much information from any of them other than the cool perspective of kind of hearing the, the internal battle that's happening. Mm-hmm. I think, though, that Dorian is doing some pretty heinous things with the, well, it's not Dorian, it's the Valg, but it's his mm-hmm. body doing these heinous things. And Dorian is kind of, I want to say he's like a ray of sunshine in a way, like compared to our other characters. So I mm-hmm. think that this is especially hor- horrific for him. Yes. To be doing these things and unable yeah. to stop it. 
No, he's quite an innocent character in the world of Throne of Glass. He doesn't really get his hands dirty with anything. So for him to be physically doing these things with his hands, even though it's not his his choice to do it, it's still his body that's doing it and he's having the experience. So it's quite devastating to read mm-hmm. what he's going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now we're going to switch over to the perspective of Menon and her 13 in Morath. Mm-hmm. So Manon is starting to notice a few things. She's noticing some strange smells throughout. I think even in the last book, she was noticing some strange smells, but she's really noticing something strange about the character Keltane. And we've discussed Keltane a couple of times, but we don't really know too much about her. So she has at this point been taking, taken to Morath, and now we're seeing her character from Manon's perspective, and she's sensing something off about Keltane in the way that she smells. And she says, and on this woman, the scent was strongest and strange. So she's not the only one who smells, but it seems to be really, really strong, specifically on Keltane. Yes. Manon also notes that she is wearing a collar. Mm-hmm. So is it can... a weird fashion statement? <laughs> I think we can assume that she's probably <laughs> infested by a Valg. And I believe collars mean Valg prints. So like yeah. a, a more powerful Valg. So yes. that could account for some of the like strength and the potency of the smell Manon is sensing. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And Poor Keltane is also like covered in all these like bruises and is very withdrawn and just like, oh, this poor woman has gone through so much. She really has. She really got a sad story, I feel, (laughs) throughout this Mm -hmm. whole time. Yeah, I was a a little curious about the bruises because if she's infested by a Valg, I'm wondering like, are the bruises from the Valg or are the bruises from Parrington because we know that Parrington is can be quite abusive towards her she has been forced to marry him and forced to go to Morath with him and all this so it's either way it's terribly sad but it did have me wondering if the bruises were just like a kind of physical thing from Parrington or if it has something to do with the Valg. I kind of wonder too how long she's had the collar on Mm-hmm. And if she has been infested by this Valg, why are they bruising the body in which it resides? Because mm-hmm. um, they don't do that to Dorian. His is more of a psychological torture. Yeah. Yeah. It just, it doesn't, I don't, I'm not exactly sure what's going on, but it's heartbreaking either way. It is. A bit later on, Manon is asked to pick a coven to be impregnated by the Valg. So that is disgusting. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And they give a little description about what that looks like. And it doesn't actually mean that they have to engage in anything. So the witches don't have to be in the same room as the Valk for this to happen. They actually just sew a bit of stone inside the witches underneath their belly button. How this impregnates them, I have no idea. What this stone is, also no idea. But it's absolutely disgusting and I don't understand the choice given that like last time I checked at least humans take a long time to grow I don't know how long Valks take to grow but like if you're trying to make an army seems like a long shot indeed it does Uh, (laughs) I I was it was kind of reminding me of 
do you remember in Game of Thrones when the Red Witch birthed that shadow thing? Oh, yes. And I was wondering if it was going to be something like that, like birthing like these kind of the darkness and then mm-hmm. maybe they like maybe the plan is that they're going to go ahead and infect like fully grown. Oh. That that was what I was that makes way more sense because I was like picturing like a baby that had to grow up <laughs> yeah. and a soldier. I'm like, this doesn't seem like a viable plan. <laughs> okay. You're still a good like 20, 15, 20 years away from your army here. <laughs> exactly. And like, plus yeah. if you're only doing it one coven at a time, like yeah. you're really not getting very far very fast. <laughs> your your way of thinking is way makes way more sense. <laughs> <laughs> I was really disturbed by that, though. Like, it was mm-hmm. really uncomfortable to read about that. At least I, th- I found that to be very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. And clearly Manon did as well, because she did not want to choose anybody to be no. involved in this experiment. And I fought it off as long as she could. Which is interesting, considering how heartless she is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a little uh, tidbit of maybe she's not as heartless as she's supposed to be. <laughs> Yeah, because uh, to my understanding, if she's supposed, if she is as heartless as she was, as her grandmother thinks she should be, especially being heir to the Blackbeak clan, because mm-hmm. um, her grandmother is very heartless and very cold, yes. and mm-hmm. she would have, I think, no issue doing this, choosing mm-hmm. a coven. But she delegates that to Manon, I guess, or it has been delegated to Manon. So the fact that Manon is feeling kind of against it, I think is quite interesting and possibly should be noted. Yeah, it's telling of her character. Yes. We are then introduced to a new character, Allied. And actually this character is, I found, extremely intriguing. Mm-hmm. She is very interesting. And Manon smells witch blood on her, which is one of the reasons she's interesting. Because mm-hmm. she is a human, mm-hmm. but has witch blood sent to her. But this isn't the first time we have heard her name, because we actually heard mention of her back in Era Fire mm-hmm. when Aelin was having her like flashback moments. And we learned about Marion, who was the handmaiden who saved her and like sacrificed herself so that Aelin was able to get free and grow up. And yes. this Marion is actually Elide's mom. Hmm. And she's nobility, I guess you could call it, because she actually married the Lord of Paranth. And mm-hmm. so she, that makes Elide nobility as well, a lady. Yeah. Yeah, but you would never guess it the way that she's being treated. So she's under no. her uncle's, I guess, reign or rule. Like she is essentially her uncle's servant, although she mm-hmm. is a lady and should be treated like her uncle should be treating her as such. But he instead like treats her like a slave, which is so heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking has, like, literal and confusing. Chains. As you mentioned, Menon smells witch blood on a mm-hmm. So do you think that, what do you think that means about her heritage? I think it has to mean that her mom was a witch. I don't know if it's like her mom was like a full-blown witch and hiding it, or if her mom has witch heritage and it's kind mm-hmm. of being passed down, but like somewhat diluted. I don't think it's coming from her dad's side. No, neither do I. 
just given his, like, he's the one who is um, the noble, like their kind of royalty or nobility comes from the dad's side. Like her mm-hmm. mom wasn't of noble lineage, no. which is why I think that it's the mom yeah. who's the witch. It's very unfortunate as well because her uncle Vernon, he has, I guess, claimed the title of the Lord of Paranth for himself. Mm-hmm. And he is, unfortunately, Parrington's right-hand man. Yeah. And like just as evil as Parrington, like he is like his territory was taken over and he just jumps sides. Yeah. No hesitation. Terrible. Like Terrible. I, I'm not even sure this could be, I don't know if he helped in the assassination of his brother who was Elide's father to get the throne or if it was just like it just so happened that he was assassinated and he kind of swooped in and was like oh I see an opportunity mm-hmm. I'm sure it was the second one but mm-hmm. either way don't just know. a skeezy man he's very skeezy so I actually wouldn't put that past him <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-huh. but I just wanted to draw a little uh parallel and I'll probably continue to draw this parallel throughout future episodes so Elide's uncle's name is Vernon and he's evil and treats her terribly like a slave and it just made me think of Harry Potter and how his uncle's name was Vernon and he was kind of terrible and treated Harry horribly (laughs) that is a very good comparison I didn't even think of that but it's so true yeah the last kind of part that we see within the Morath storyline for part one is jumping back to Keltane. We find out she has something called shadow fire and it's a type of magic, which is a little confusing because magic is supposed to be destroyed. So how is Keltane using this fire or shadow magic, shadow fire magic, And she uses it to destroy a group of humans. So it's not just like it's in her, like she's actively able to use this magic when magic has been banned. My only other thing, and it kind of is a bit of a spoiler for what's coming up, but it happens in this book, is we see that the Valgan side, Dorian can use his magic. But again, that doesn't, like Dorian can use his magic anyway. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if somehow Valg can use magic even when magic is blocked. That's my only explanation would be that she is infested by a Valg and that Valg can use, if they're infesting someone who has magic, they can access their magic, even though the human It's like the curse doesn't apply to them. Yeah. I think that is everything for the Manon story or like the Morath storyline. Mm-hmm. So now we can get back to our queen-in-waiting, kind of, (laughs) Aelin Galathinius. So we're going back to her perspective now. So Aelin had left Wendlin um, and has returned back to Rifthold without Rowan to his utter dismay. Yeah, and the first thing she does is walks into the vaults. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is like a fighting pit essentially or like a really dingy bar slash fighting pit slash place you can hook up with different women of the night <laughs> so just you know an upstanding local business very and Thrive, she thriving. goes <laughs> thriving well, I think it is thriving 
safe place to be. <laughs> Super safe place. Five star hotel. Um, <laughs> so Aylin heads in to the vault and she sees that Robin is meeting with Kale of all people. Mm. So that takes her for a loop. Like, wasn't expecting that. Can I just say, like, if that were me and I saw that, mm-hmm. the the rage that would flow through me, even if logic was like there might be a strategic reason for this meeting, mm-hmm. I would not be a happy person at that. No. She like, holds it together surprisingly well. I oh, think yeah. she also is probably like, what the F is going on? Mm-hmm. Uh, but she like is very patient about finding out and much more sneaky and delicate about it um, and holds herself together and just kind of stays back, doesn't let Kale see her, watches and observes as she does. Yeah, she's a clever, cunning thing. Mm-hmm. She ends up finding out from a Robin. That her cousin Adion, which, mm-hmm. oh my goodness, when you when you read the flashbacks and you see how close they were, and then to yeah. find out that he's, you know, alive, because she hasn't known all this time that he is indeed alive, mm-hmm. and being held by the king for execution. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I felt like this great sense of urgency. I thought, stop wasting your time. Go save Adion. <laughs> Yeah, no, I was like, he he has to be saved. Like, there's yeah. absolutely no way this story can continue if he doesn't get saved. Yeah. And thankfully, Arobin, well, I guess thankfully, I don't know if this is thankfully, Arobin agrees to help free him. So that is going to be like the first course of action is getting him free. So I was very and happy. The catch is that she has to capture a Valg and bring it to him. Yes. And we don't exactly know why. I mean, we can assume it's for nefarious reasons. It's Arobin. But she agrees to it. What's a what's capturing a Valg in the grand scheme of things? <laughs> I mean, I mean, she's got this. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in Aelin's fashion, she sets fire to the vault. Of course. Of course. And goes to find Kale to discuss things. Many things. <laughs> and he's being held up in the sewers. I mean, I don't think he's living in the sewers, but that's kind of... A good meeting place so he's working with the rebels and they kind of hunt down in the sewers for Valk mm-hmm. and he's been co-opting this whole get rid of the yeah. sewer Valks of Rifthold yeah and we meet Nezrin yes yes She's awesome she is awesome and I'm just reading Tower of Dawn right now and mm-hmm. So I, I'm glad we get to know Nezrin better in that novel. So just keep plugging along and you can <laughs> learn more about her in future novels. But she is she's pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. And she is a little bit in awe of Aelin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like how her character and Aelin's character interact because mm-hmm. there is a little something going between her and Kale. At this point, you're not really sure what it is, but... I think it could very easily, being that Aelin is Kale's ex, I think it could very easily have been like set these two up against each other and make it a jealousy thing. But no, Nezrin is like in awe, like you said, of Aelin and they just, there's no conflict and very easily there could have been, but Mm -hmm. it's just like, no, we're not going to go into that 
overdone trope of girls hating each other over a boy mm-hmm. that's useless let's just like also Aelin has bigger fish to fry yes <laughs> <laughs> she's she's like i i don't have time for this dra- drama she still feels mm-hmm. things of course but she does indeed have bigger fish to fry mm-hmm. i was pretty irritated with kale in this novel he was acting like a little bit mm-hmm. like a thorn in Aelin's side, one could say. Yeah, he was not taking her coming back very well. They have this kind of interaction in the tunnels where like, she gives him back the ring that he'd given her at the end of the last book, or the end of um, Crown of Midnight, actually. Mm-hmm. And he gives her back the amulet no not the amulet the eye of elena yeah. or elena yeah. and they kind of have this conversation it's very tense it's very as you would expect a conversation between exes to go they understand they need to work together but they're not exactly thrilled about it specifically kale is really not thrilled about it mm-hmm. <laughs> it was that was feeling pretty irritated with him i thought you know, do you know, do you not understand her (laughs) (laughs) and how smart she is and how important it is to work with her? But Mm -hmm. yeah, he thoughts. (laughs) I think he was letting his personal feelings and emotions kind of cloud the more work nature of their relationship. Well, maybe that's why he's not destined to be a king and she's destined to be a queen. (laughs) Perhaps that's why. (laughs) Yeah, he's, yeah. He's being a bit of a baby at this yeah. point in time. I don't yeah. think it's unrealistic though. So no. I like, I don't hate it, but I hate that he's doing it, if that makes sense. Kale's also very young. Like mm-hmm. he's quite young. I always am surprised when they mention his age and how young he is. <laughs> I do find that perhaps to be a little bit unrealistic. However, then I think about uh, just our history mm-hmm. and how, you know, people didn't used to live as long (laughs) so yeah Yeah. you are in more important positions when you're younger but yeah but regarding kale and nezrin what do you think ignore everything you know but at this point in the book Mm -hmm. what did you did you think that maybe their relationship could evolve into something more it felt as though it was setting up that they would eventually become more than friends. At this point, it seems like they're really good friends, kind of confidants maybe even. Like there seemed to be a strong relationship there, but not necessarily romantic. Mm-hmm. But almost like it was hinting that that it's going to be going in that direction. Mm-hmm. That was a sense I got. How about you? Same. Yeah. I also felt that Nezrin was more focused on tasks at hand and kale out of the three of them was the one suffering the most emotional turmoil Mm -hmm. at that point yeah no definitely (laughs) so lysandra yes we know in the past that lysandra has and aelin have not gotten along they've been Mm -hmm. i think pitted against each other kind of almost intentionally pitted against one another yes it doesn't help that lysandra has been known to be in aerobin's bed for many years uh Mm -hmm. which obviously wouldn't sit well with aelin 
Yeah, like Arobin had bought Lysandra's virginity when her little coming out debut. Mm-hmm. And from that point on, has basically been with Arobin. Mm-hmm. So she visits Aelin at Aelin's apartment. That This is the apartment she had bought for her and Sam at that yeah. stage of things in Assassin's Blade, if you've mm-hmm. read it. But Lysandra has a child with her, Evangeline. She's got a, a scar uh, uh, marring her face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so Aelin is not thrilled to see Lysandra. She doesn't like her for yeah, just, reason. Like, yeah, there's always they've always hated one another. But we do end up finding out like Lysandra isn't just this catty uh, lady of the night, as you <laughs> put it before. She's not. Mm-hmm. She's not just this catty <laughs> courtesan. <laughs> she mm-hmm. she actually is so much more than that. She cut Evangeline um, as a kindness. She marred her on purpose so that she would never have to become a courtesan like Lysandra had. Yeah. I think that shows a lot about her character. It definitely does. And the reason Lysandra is at the apartment is she wants to kind of team up with Aelin. And Aelin's suspicious. She's like, is she just working for Arobin? Is she just kind of his spy. And when Evangeline tells Aelin about her face and how she got the scar, it kind of opens up Aelin's eyes to the real person who Lysandra is. Mm-hmm. Kind of shows her that she's not just some, you know, bimbo, but actually somebody who is very thoughtful and there's more to her. And it's also revealed that by doing that to Evangeline, she increased her debt to her mistress, not unlike how uh, Selena Sardothian was always indebted to a Robin. All of those extravagant uh, things that she used to wear or jewelry or whatever, mm-hmm. it wasn't free. He wasn't, those weren't, he would occasionally give her gifts, but most, for the most part, it wasn't gifts. Um, it was items that she ultimately ended up owing him. And Lysandra is in the exact same position with her mistress. So by mm-hmm. removing Evangeline's ability to become a courtesan by scarring her the way that she did, she has increased her debt to her mistress, which further puts her further away from any potential freedom. So I think Aelin doesn't really realize that, that she's kind of almost enslaved the way that Aelin was to Aerobin. Mm-hmm. So I think that's kind of a big moment to discover that. Yeah. So yeah, when she finds that out, she realizes how big of a sacrifice Lysandra made in order to save this child who she didn't even know before Mm -hmm. the Evangeline showed up to become Mm -hmm. a courtesan. It's not like they have some sort of bond. She just saw this helpless child and how scared she was for the life she was going to have to live and sacrificed her own life to save Evangeline, which is so incredibly heartfelt. And I think that is why Aelin agreed to trust Lysandra, is mm-hmm. after hearing that. So Aelin, Lysandra, Kale, Nezrin, and Robin all work together to devise this elaborate plot to get Adian free. It's quite the show, literally, as part of it is Aelin has to like sneak in with a ballet troupe to get oh, yeah. into the castle. Yeah. And 
they end up finding their way in. They all kind of have these little roles that they're playing in order to get in. They use the guards who are on their side because Kale's been kind of conversing with some of the guards who are still loyal to him. So they help out. So it's this big elaborate scene with a whole bunch of details in there. And in the end, basically what happens is Aelin is able to set Idian free with the help of everybody playing their own roles. And they also are able to grab the sword of Ornth, which was the King of Terrison's sword. And it had been kind of re-gifted to Adian from the king and as like a thanks for being loyal and switching sides. Here, we'll give you this heirloom. Mm-hmm. And so Aelin sees the sword, recognizes it, and grabs it while she grabs Adian, who is just like beyond shocked to see her there, mm-hmm. but is able to kind of rein in his shock and get a move on. And they bolt yeah. and get out. But on the way she runs into Valgadorian, mm-hmm. who is like fighting her. And she's like, let me know if you're in there. She's like trying to reach him the best she can. But unfortunately, he's not really reaching her. Or yeah, he's not able to reach out. Like he's in there and he's trying, but he is frozen and can't actually reach out to her. Mm-hmm. And this causes a huge, huge strain on the kale Aelin relationship. Because before going in, she had agreed she would not try and kill him. Because we just talked about how he's like still holding, Kale is still holding out hope for Dorian. Mm-hmm. And now Aelin has had to protect herself and Adian against him. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, Nezrin is able to stop any kill shots from happening. Mm-hmm. And everyone's able to get free without anybody having to kill anyone who they love. Yeah. However, it causes such tension. And at this point, Kale's like, I cannot trust Daylin at all. Like this breaks any semblance, tiny thread of trust that he had in her and her plans. And at this point, it's like almost full on war between the two of them where he's like, I'm on this side because I believe in this side, but I do not believe in her. Mm -hmm. Which is like, oh, so frustrating. (laughs) Yeah, just just rehashing this is making me just be like, feel so frustrated regarding Kale. Yeah, but... Nezrin was kind of peak low type point for them. Yeah. I think, though, that Nezrin, because she seems very, she's got really good critical thinking skills. Yes. (laughs) And um, she's able to kind of knock some sense into him figuratively Mm -hmm. and, yeah, just get him down from his place of high emotion and try to refocus him. So she seems really good for Kale. She is very good for Kale, and I think that she's able to like level him out. And I think this is the point in the story where it really starts to feel like that a relationship is forming beyond like a friendship, a more mm-hmm. romantic relationship could be forming because you see how they bring each other up, specifically mm-hmm. how Nezrin brings mm-hmm. Kale up. And when he's in his like lowest of lows and we're as frustrated as we can be with his character, she's kind of shedding some light not only for him, but also for like the readers. Like, yeah. Oh, he's, he's not all bad guys. Yeah. And I think that helps. It does help. Absolutely. Adian and Aelin finally are reunited. Both of them have kind of been, well, I guess Adian's been waiting for this for a long time because he yeah. found out quite a while ago that she was alive. And so he's been like living on to this hope that he will see her again. And yeah. she's only just found out he's alive. 
And it was just like so lovely that they got to finally see each other again since childhood. I'm not going to lie. I was kind of shipping them a little bit, like just a little bit. <laughs> but then I was like, but they're cousins, so that's kind of icky. But then he was kind of originally meant for her, wasn't he? Like, weren't they? I think this is the kind of universe where it's okay for cousins of their blood attachment to have married each other. Because I think, yeah, at one point that was kind of set to happen, perhaps. Yeah. In some ways I can see them being together, but I think that Sarah has some better options out there. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. I was just so excited and he clearly loves her so much. So much love. And it is so, it's just very heartwarming to see them together. It is. They They, deserve having their family. Exactly. I was going to say she finally has some family with her. Finally. Meanwhile, Aelin has to fulfill her promise to Aerobin that she would get him, fetch him a Valg. So Mm -hmm. she goes to the pit, which is the the new vault because she destroyed the last one. (laughs) So so now she goes to the pit, it's called, Mm -hmm. and um, fights a Valg. And she is there under a guise. She's calling Mm -hmm. herself Ansel. (laughs) Yeah, call that to Assassin's Blade. Exactly. And so, because Aerobin was kind of reminding her, like, hey, you promised me a Valg, <laughs> mm-hmm. remember? And now Adian's free, so you got to go get me a Valg. So she's like... But she doesn't you're... actually capture this one. She ends up just killing him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Aerobin is not very happy about that. He's like, excuse me. She ends up killing this Valg, which really upsets Aerobin, because he's like, I want a live Valg, because I want to interrogate him. And I can't do that with a dead Valg. Her response to him is, you'll get what's owed to you. Eee. So I, she'll, I, I, she'll give him exactly what he, he deserves. Deserves. <laughs> what do you think she means by this? Oh, I think she's like, you know, mm-hmm. I guess I should say something for the podcast. This isn't just for YouTube, but I think she's like, I'm going to make sure you pay for what you've done. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like she's saying, like, you'll get what's owed to you. A Valk is owed to you. You will yep. get the Valk. But it's definitely a veiled comment. Yeah, it's a double uh, double meaning. I think anyone who's reading it would that. hear and understand yeah. <laughs> what is actually being said. And it is just so cheeky and so Aelin, and I love it. Yeah. Something very exciting happens next. Mm-hmm. And sort of almost kind of unexpected because mm-hmm. Rowan comes to Rifthold and uh, he he reveals that Adion is Gavriel's son. Yeah, he's like dropping truth bombs out here. In oh, yeah. like a very short succession, he reveals a lot of information. The first being that Adion is Gravel's son, who is one of his cadre. Yeah, one of his peeps. And a yep. very, very powerful full fae. Yes. So Adian is half fae. Mm-hmm. And Gabriel, he is uh, sworn in blood oath to Maeve, uh, mm-hmm. which obviously indicates, because she only takes on like the strongest. So that indicates that Adian has actually got a father of extremely powerful fae heritage. Mm-hmm. Which he had known nothing about his father. Uh, so this is a big... Mm-hmm. 
And another thing that we find out is the reason why Rowan kind of broke his understanding with Aelin that he would stay behind, it, that Lorcan, who is another one of the cadre, is in Aurelia hunting down word keys for Maeve. Mm-hmm. So that puts a bit of a kink in all of Aelin's plans. Yeah. Because Lorcan is also incredibly dangerous. Yeah. So Rowan has gone there to warn her and probably to protect her a little bit mm-hmm. as well, because we know how much he likes to protect her, even though yes. she doesn't really need it. But no, <laughs> those uh, possessive and protective fey males. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's in their nature. They can't really help it. Yeah. We also find out that Lysandra, probably through Rowan's scent, his scent abilities, mm-hmm. <laughs> he scents that Lysandra is a shapeshifter of all things. Yeah. yeah, they're like sitting down for breakfast and he walks out and he's like, oh, shapeshifter. And everyone's <laughs> like, what? And she's like, oh no, he knows. <laughs> My secret has been revealed. Yeah. And it's kind of a really sad story. Lysandra her father, she gets her shape-shifting abilities from her father, who she doesn't know. She just all of a sudden discovered one day she can shape-shift as a child. And when her mom found out, her mom kicked her out of her house. And so she was like on the streets and she discovered that if she looked a certain way, a pretty, mm-hmm. that she could get things that she wanted and ended up getting picked up by the madam. I can't actually remember her madam's name. But the woman who ends up turning her into a courtesan. But then magic is frozen or or halted. And so she was stuck in the body that she had kind of shaped into. Mm -hmm. The the pretty body. Which she actually really hates, but Mm -hmm. she's stuck in it. And she can't even really remember what she originally looked like. Because she's been in this other body for so long. Which is very sad. It's so sad. It's like her identity. It, yeah, it really kind of speaks to identity and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But this poor woman. There's a lot of sad, sad stories for women in this series. There they have it. Yes. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people in general have it rough, but specifically the women in, in these stories seem to have it really rough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So back in the non-spoiler episode, we had talked about scent mm-hmm. and specifically the, the scent on individuals and how it can be important or yes, yeah, could be important. So Aelin's scent is described as jasmine, lemon verbena, and crackling embers, which is very fitting. Yes. I think the crackling embers is very obvious what that's Mm -hmm. all about she has Mm -hmm. fire power crackling embers fire it's a very clear link but i actually looked up the other two and to see if i could find any links between her character and the different smells and i just need to grab my little book okay so what did you find i found lemon verbene is used in both protection and love spells so it could make sense that if she's smelling this way around, like if Rowan is smelling her like that, maybe it has something to do with the fact that they're in love and just protection in general, maybe. I don't know. It just seemed like she Notable. could use some protection. Yeah. Yeah. 
And the jasmine I found interesting because if burned, it says in the bedroom, but I think just if burned, jasmine will bring uh, prophetic dreams. And I remember in Air of Fire, there was one moment where it seemed like Aelin was having a like vision. So I have no idea if at some point she's going to start having like as part of her magic be able to like see the future in some way. Mm. So that's just kind of what it reminded mm. me of. And I thought it was interesting that it specifically said if burned and she has firepower. So prophetic vision. I, yeah, I have thoughts on that, but we will discuss in future episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think there's definitely something to the sense. And mm-hmm. there's another instance at the very end of this book that also discuss sense. And I think we can jump, discuss it when we get to that point, but just so interesting. I, I love that sense seem this important. And as we've said, Sarah does do everything with intention. So we are paying close attention to these little details in case they are intentional. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I read this book with so much, like my eyes are just wide open. Cause I'm like, does this mean something? Does this yeah. mean something? Yeah. I'm so focused and like alert. Yes. <laughs> yes. All the little things. And sometimes I'm so, so far off the mark, but yeah. every once in a while you're like, Oh, I got that one. Yes. <laughs> so Aelin still has to find a live Valg for a Robin. She needs yeah. to deliver and she ends up capturing Steve, Steve the Valg. Yes. And Steve the Valg. His name is Steve the Valg because the person inside of him is still there and they're yes. able to communicate with the actual human. Yeah. And he says, like, I just want to die. I'm done. And they agree to take Steve mm-hmm. to a robot. But we know Aelin, so we know we need to be focused on what's happening with Steve. Mm-hmm. Because she was able to communicate with him as a human. Exactly. So, key. That, but that's important because that also, she thought Dorian was a lost cause, I think. And mm-hmm. the fact that she's able to communicate with Steve the Valk. <laughs> Sorry, it just vibrates. <laughs> it's just such a like, <laughs> Steve the Valk. <laughs> I mean, Steve technically isn't the Valk, he's the human, but I it just know. sounds so. I know. <laughs> I just, I just find it so fun. Anyway, <laughs> it's like not funny at all, but it's just funny. Anyways, this is important because obviously it shows that the Val can be fought even when you're infested with them. And mm-hmm. so it is worth seeing if they can get Dorian back. Yeah. And they did have a discussion to see if they can save Steve. And it was determined that at this point he couldn't be um, taken from the Valg. Like him and the Valg were interconnected to a point where mm-hmm. there was no separating them. Yeah. So unfortunately they couldn't save Steve, but they were able to take him to a Robin. And she was able to use it as a bargaining chip in order to get the amulet of Ornth, which if you remember, we found out was a word key. Mm-hmm. So this is huge because this means that Aelin will have a word key in her possession, which as we know is pure power. So Aelin with pure power. Dangerous combination. Dangerous. So Robin ends up taking 
Steve's rank. Well, I guess backtrack just slightly. He tortures Steve to get some answers. And what he found out is a Robin was after understanding how the king controls the Valg through the rings. So he finds out from Steve that you need to have the ring, you need to cut the Valg or the person who's infested and lick their blood. So that is how one, according to Steve, gets control over a Valg. So he takes Steve's ring, murders the Valg and Steve, rest in peace. (laughs) And yeah, he kind of just takes it. And when he is giving the amulet to, or at some point during dinner, when he's either giving the amulet or at another point during like their little dinner party they're having after torturing Steve, which is so (laughs) weird. He (laughs) sneakily puts the ring on Aelin's finger cuts her and licks her blood yeah so that he can control her according to steve that's how oh, it's done how did you feel when that happened i was just so frustrated in the sense that i feel like a robin has been so controlling and so manipulating and just he's been playing games with her this entire novel and I, he's been playing games with her her entire life since he mm-hmm. found her and the amount of emotional abuse he's put her through his possessiveness over her i find so infuriating mm-hmm. and then to physically be able to control her it's like he's getting all of his dreams are coming true he can have absolute and complete control over her and there's nothing she can do about it it's it's upsetting to the core it really is it really is i was very po'd at his the audacity this guy is the worst he's the absolute worst i absolutely does not surprise me that he behaved in this manner but it is just he he needs to go like he is so incredibly abusive luckily for aelin the whole thing was a ruse you do not have to cut someone and lick their blood to become like to take control over them and the ring that they had put on Steve's finger was a fake. So he, they had actually cut off the real ring and planted a fake one. So the ring was useless. The blood and the licking was absolutely useless. Lynn was not under his control whatsoever. It was just acting. It was all just a ruse to get the amulet, which they did get. So it, everything worked out. Back at the house, they, Aelin and Rowan are on the roof. And they're kind of like, I guess, celebrating their, they got the amulet, everything's working out. And there's a little moment between them. And Aelin goes for it. Like, they've been fighting this tension between them for a really mm-hmm. long time, trying to keep things professional. Mm-hmm. But she decides to go for it. And she kind of touches him, not in like a super, like, inappropriate way, but like in a romantic intimate way. Intimate way. Yeah. In an intimate way. That's exactly right. And he has a reaction no one's expecting. And he asked her to back off. Yeah. It was so shocking. I felt so bad for Aelin in that moment. Yeah. I feel like she tried so hard to like hold off and not. And then finally she like gets the courage or the like instinct to go for it. And then for him to reject her like that, it was just so heartbreaking and unexpected. Yeah. She, yeah. I just found that to be so... I thought, what now between them? 
Mm-hmm. Because it's so obvious that they both have feelings for each other. And then he like does this and it's like, what is going on? Mm-hmm. So I that really, was- I really felt their age gap in that moment. Mm. I really felt like how young Aelin was in that moment and just how much pain she's been through a lot of pain, but I've, I've, I also felt like Rowan's significantly <laughs> longer, <Wiser>. life, longer <laughs> life. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and you know, the, the loss of losing his mate and everything and mm-hmm. how I didn't think it was an insurmountable challenge, but when he had that visceral reaction to her, I thought maybe this is going to be a much larger challenge than I originally thought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it definitely it was a surprising moment in their relationship trajectory that mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. But it makes it interesting to see what's going to happen. It does. It does. Aelin has had this whole plan that she's going to kill a Robin, which, yeah. <laughs> Let's see that through. She has a lot of reasons to kill him. And we have been waiting forever for this revenge to take place, it feels, because we did read Assassin's Blade in the purest order, so at the beginning. So it feels like it was a long time coming, at least for me. Mm-hmm. But she ends up devising this plan with Lysandra mm-hmm. and actually sets it up so that Lysandra is the one who ends up killing a Robin. And it's actually, it makes a lot of sense because she is the one who is closest to a Robin when he is the most vulnerable, which is when he's yeah. sleeping. Mm-hmm. And it also makes sense because one of the other reasons why Selena or Aelin agrees to work with Lysandra and trust her is Lysandra tells her kind of the truth behind her feelings about everything. And that is Wesley, the bodyguard, a Robin's bodyguard, who tried to warn Selena in Assassin's Blade about the whole murder plot. She was in love with him. So Lysandra and Wesley actually had a kind of hidden forbidden romance going on and they truly deeply loved each other. And a Robin found out and like about like the whole Selena thing and how Wesley tried to help them and he murdered Wesley. So Wesley, so both Aelin and Lysandra, the love of their life at that point in their life was murdered by a Robin. So I think they were connected by that, having that trauma. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Uh, Lysandra so Aelin, had plenty of reason to need to kill a Robin as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was a big kind of a, almost a gift for Aelin to give Lysandra to be able mm-hmm. to do that. Can you imagine mm-hmm. being harnessed to this man and having to be with him intimately like that every night when he's killed the person that you love? Yeah. So I think, like you said, it was kind of a gift for Aelin to give that to Lysandra and let her, and logistically, as you mentioned, it makes sense as well. So, and Lysandra does it. She is able to go through with it and get the job done. And I always wondered if Selena or Aelin was not able to kind of put that on Lysandra, would she have been able to go through with it? Do mm-hmm. you think she would have been able to kill a Robin given their history? Yes, I think so. Mm-hmm. First of all, she is a trained killer. 
Mm-hmm. And despite the fact that they do have a very complicated history and their dynamic is really weird, I think all she would need to do is remember the betrayal regarding Sam. She'd have mm-hmm. slipped into that killing calm and it would have been off to the races. I think she would have been okay. There was a, there was a point in time where I wondered if she would be able to do it and if, mm-hmm. but I think at, in the end that she probably would have been able to do it. But this way is also smart on Aelin's part because she doesn't even give herself a uh, opportunity to hesitate by mm-hmm. delegating the killing to Lysandra. Yeah. No, I agree with that. I think that she would be able to do it, but she might hesitate long enough that it could have like cost her something. Mm-hmm. So I think this was a smart way for the whole situation to go down for multiple reasons. Yeah, exactly. So, were you Genius. satisfied? Yeah. It sounds I like was. <laughs> I was pretty satisfied. At first I was disappointed, but then thinking about what Lysandra had been through, I mm-hmm. thought, no, this was, it's not what I expected at all. I expected her to come back and maybe even do some torture on him a little bit, like mm-hmm. really make him pay physically for everything that he had done to her over the years. Cause there is a long list that he had to pay for, mm-hmm. but I was impressed that she, she's so smart and cunning, Aelin. I am constantly yeah. surprised as it is her whole inner circle, essentially, by mm-hmm. how, how smart and cunning and strategic she is. And this is yeah. just another, I think, example of, of how strategic she can be. No, that is exactly what I was going to say, is that I'm glad that it took a more strategic cunning route than just like a brute force route. Yeah. I think that's much more in line with who she's becoming as a fighter. Before the conclusion of part one, we have one more main scene, and that is the will reading scene, in which we find out that Arobin has left Aelin all of his belongings. So the house and all of his money is hers, which is a lot of money. Oh, yeah. She, the other assassins are obviously very upset, but she offers them a great deal on the house so that they can stay. Yeah. And so now she has even more money. So she is got all the money she needs to fund a war, which is so convenient since she's going to start a war. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's going to come in handy convenient. to have all this money. So how very thoughtful of a Robin to how leave thoughtful. everything to her. It's mm-hmm. almost as if she snuck into the bank <laughs> and changed his will. Because <laughs> she did. Indeed. Because she did. <laughs> He's so smart. Oh, I think it's just like she's just like she thinks of every single moment. You're like, what is she up to next? I know, and she's so sneaky because like you get the scenes where she's doing it, but you don't know what she's doing. So it's like there's moments where it's like, oh, she's snuck out and she's doing this, and and it doesn't make you're just like, okay, she's going for a night stroll, whatever. And then it's like, oh no, she was actually sneaking into the bank to change the will, so she gets everything. So it's like. She's screwing a Robin over from the grave. And it's just like, yeah. that is such the cherry on top of it all. I did take a deep sense of satisfaction from that other than just the most obvious reasons, but also because mm-hmm. I felt that he had stolen so much from her, both mm-hmm. emotionally, like figuratively and physically. He... <laughs> so 
she kind of got all of her money back that he really never should have taken from her in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it was very, very satisfying. Mm -hmm. And I think this is really setting up who she is as a person, her very sneaky nature. And as you've said all throughout, like so cunning. She's just so intelligent. She plays smart. I mean, Mm -hmm. she plays hard too, Mm -hmm. but she also plays smart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. She's an admirable figure. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That concludes part one of the Queen of Shadows, heavy spoilers. And next week we will be continuing on to part two. So we hope to see you there. Thanks for joining us today. See you there. Mm -hmm.